land. They're all Mike and Judy's daughters. And they were singing today in honor of Mike's birthday. I'm not going to tell you how old he is, but you will not believe that a guy that old can have such a young and beautiful wife and daughters. <laughs> will you stand as we sing? All glory, laud, and honor. Thank you, dear Lord, for this beautiful day and this opportunity, Lord, to come to your house and worship and glorify your name. We thank you, Lord, for each one that's come today. And Lord, we know that there's those that could and would not, and Lord, those that would and could not. We ask you to examine their heart and their circumstances, Lord, that they might be able to be here at the next appointed hour. Bless them, bless each one, dear Lord, that's on our several prayer lists. Be merciful to them, dear Lord, and bless them in a special way. And also, Lord, there's those that are on our heart that's not on our prayer list, we lift those up to you also, Lord, at this time. Be mindful, dear Lord, of their ever need. Now, thank you again for answering prayers. Thank you, dear Lord, for those prayers that you hold in store to answer at another time. Bless us with their answer. And Lord, we also thank you for this opportunity to return a portion of that which you blessed us with. 
that you might multiply it and use it to the ongoing work of our kingdom cause. Bless both the gift and the giver. Forgive us, please, dear Lord, of our sins. Those things, Lord, which we've done wrong and also, dear Lord, those things which we have left undone. Now, again, Lord, we ask you to bless these tithes and offerings to your kingdom's cause. Forgive us, dear Lord, of our sins. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Thank you, choir. We are in a series of the I Am sayings of Jesus, and this is the sixth and next to the last one. We've looked at the bread of life, the light of the world, the door, the good shepherd, the way, the truth, and the life, and today I am the true vine. Leaving for next week, Easter Sunday, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus says, I'm the true vine in John 15, verses 1 through 11. And, and as I read this, I want you to notice how many times he uses the word abide in these 10 verses. I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away, and every branch that, bear, that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already made clean by the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If a man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Shall we pray? Father, speak to us today of the importance of abiding in you, in your word, in love. Just as Jesus did so, Lord, help us to rest and find strength to do what you call us to do. Let us not run ahead of you, but first abide and therein find what we need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think someone has well said that the Christian life can be divided into three different stages or phases. The first phase is come unto me. That's the call that Jesus beckons us to approach him. After you approach him, the second phase is follow me in discipleship grow and learn. And the third phase, the phase of maturity, is abide with me. Just rest and spend time with the Father. Come unto me, follow me, abide with me. Today we're talking about abide. The time that the disciples have to spend with Jesus is drawing to a close. Jesus is headed to Gethsemane when he utters these words. He's just left the upper room where he and his disciples have observed the Last Supper. He's just spoken to them about being the way, the truth, and the life. And now as they hurry on, a different aspect about his life 
is about to be explained to them. Imagine them passing down through the narrow, steep streets, going down from the upper city, down to the city gate. It's dark as they go, but, but I'm sure there were stars in the sky and maybe the torchlight that guided them. Jesus is speaking openly because Judas is no longer among them. He has already departed to betray him. So Jesus' words can be very candid and open with his followers. He's hurriedly telling them what he wants them to know because he, know his, he knows his betrayal is at hand and his death within a few hours. Jesus has just a few more moments to impress upon them some foundational truths that will sustain them in the years ahead. As they pass by the temple, its doors, exquisitely carved and covered in gold leaf, have a symbol of the grapevine, which is the symbol of Israel. All through the Old Testament, Israel was called God's grapevine, and God is the vine dresser, and he is continually working with his grapevine, with Israel, to cultivate them and prune them and, and shape them and use them. One historian said that these grapevines on those temple doors were at least eight feet tall, taller than a man. And the Jews took great pride in that image because they were part of Israel, the vine whose stem roots back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. They were part of God's chosen race. In spite of Rome, they were convinced that God would protect his vineyard and he would send a Messiah who would deliver them. And they had the triumphal entry celebrating all that just a few days earlier. But now Jesus comes and he says, I am the true vine. The disciples had been with him almost three years now, but it was so confusing. They weren't sure what to make of it all. He was not the Messiah they had been taught their entire lives to expect. And yet they knew and saw he was the Son of God. They had been taught that they were the vine. And yet here is Jesus saying, I am the vine. And he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, anyone who loves me can be grafted into the vine, can become a branch. What? Anybody? Not just the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Anyone who loves you, they can be branches on the vine too. Jesus? Those disciples slowly began to get it. And we need to do the same. I'm going to outline my thoughts this morning around three simple words and use them to focus our thoughts. All beginning with the letter A. Abide, apart, and ask. And there's an outline in the worship bulletin. The first word, as I mentioned when we read the scripture, has got to be the most important theme of this whole passage because Jesus uses it. I don't know if you counted. He uses abide 11 times in 10 verses. He that abides in me, verse 5, and I in him. He is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The Greek word for abide is meno. It means to dwell or remain or abide. And it's interesting that Jesus used this word in its noun form in, in the previous chapter, verse 2, 14, 2. Jesus says, in my Father's house are many, we translate it rooms, or mansions. The word is dwelling places or abodes or places to remain and rest. 
So when he says abide in me, he's also saying in chapter 14 that he's come to prepare a place where we can abide with him. There's a connection. He's talking about his death in chapter 14 and he's trying to prepare his disciples for the separation between them that is going to come physically. And so he's telling them, I'm going to leave you soon, but don't despair. Love me obey my commandments, and in so doing, you're going to find a safe place in which you will be able to dwell and hide and remain and abide. And even though I go, we won't be separated because I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. So Jesus is telling his disciples, we're going to be apart physically, but we'll never separate spiritually because I'm preparing a place for you to abide. Abide in me. The first thing he talks about is abiding in Christ. How was it possible for us to abide in Christ and Christ in us? The same way the vine is in the branch and the branch is in the vine. Let me give you an example. Several years ago, a man heard a blacksmith give his testimony. And he was in his testimony. He said, I am so glad that I can abide in Christ and Christ in me. And the man that heard that struggled with what the blacksmith was saying. And so the next day he went by the blacksmith shop to ask him to explain. He said, I just don't see how it's possible for Christ to be in you and you in Christ. How is that possible? Well, at that time, the blacksmith had a horseshoe in the fire and it was red hot. And so he asked the man, he said, is that horseshoe in the fire? And the man said, yes, it is. Then the man took the horseshoe out of the fire and held it next to the man and said, is the horseshoe in the fire or is the fire in the horseshoe? And he made his point. I would go on to add that the longer that horseshoe stayed out of the fire, the cooler and harder it would become, which is why it's so important for us as Christians not to venture too far from Christ. But if you feel yourself reaching exhaustion, if you feel yourself being spiritually depleted, if you feel yourself growing cold, it's because you have ventured and strayed too far from the fire. Every Christian needs to spend time in the fire to let that fire within you glow and burn more brightly and then you can go out. But only as you abide in Christ and that fire abides in you, are you ever going to be of any purpose or any use to the Father? If you go out under your own power, you will accomplish nothing. But if Christ's fire is burning in you and it has stayed red hot, then He can use you to serve Him more effectively. Abide means more than just dwell. It means relationship. And it's not a physical location, it's a spiritual dimension that can occur any time or any place. And the astounding truth is that you and I can dwell, remain, abide in the Father, and the Father and the Son can dwell in us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. That happens as we abide in Christ. Jesus doesn't tell us to go out and get busy. He tells us first to abide with Him. That's relationship. And relationship has to come first. Too often, we, we want to go out and do something for God and come back and say, look what I've done. Isn't that good? 
Didn't I do well? And God says, yes, that's good. But I would rather you just abide with me. That's even better. So in effect, he's saying, don't just do something. Sit there and abide with me. Abide with Christ. Secondly, we need to abide in his word. Verse 3 says, you are already made clean by the word which I have spoken to you. We are made clean. Do you see what that verse is saying? We are made clean by abiding in him and in his word. After saving us, Jesus gives us his word to help us grow as Christians and to develop a life that is pure and holy. And if your life isn't pure and holy as a Christian, my guess is you aren't spending enough time abiding in his word. As you love him, you will trust him and obey him. And that will result in a life of purity that comes from abiding in his word. Abide in Christ, abide in his word. Thirdly, abide in love. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Do you see how you show your love for the Father? How you abide in his love? Do you see what it says? By keeping his commandments. As you obey him, you reflect that trust. You keep his commandments. And you, in so doing, you are abiding in his love. Just rest and abide in his love and keep his commandments. And obedient children will have the knowledge of knowing they are abiding in the love of the Lord. It's that simple. Don't just do something. Sit there and abide in the Father's love. Secondly, and this is one we would rather not be here, but it's part of the gospel and we can't avoid it. The word apart. It's a painful word. There's a sense of finality about it. Verse 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If a man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Doesn't sound very pleasant, does it? But that's the judgment that will come one day when we try to live our lives apart from Jesus Christ. Apart. Without Jesus, he tells us one day he will come and cast us out as a branch that has produced no fruit. And I think the fruit he's talking about here is not evangelizing a lost person because that lost person isn't a fruit. That lost person is a branch that's grafted into the vine. I think the fruit he's talking about here is the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you aren't developing those fruit in your life, then there may be a question whether you're a Christian or not. And if you are not, then one day you will be cast forth as a branch into a fire. And burned. We just don't face that often enough. But the Bible makes it abundantly clear that one day there will be a final judgment and every one of us will stand before God and give a final account of ourselves before Him. A lot of people believe that God is too good and loving and kind to ever condemn anyone to hell and separation from Him, but that misses the point. Because God doesn't condemn us. We condemn ourselves when we reject Him 
and his offer of love. Did you hear that? God doesn't condemn us. We condemn ourselves when we reject him and his offer of love. Jesus has done everything he could do to be our Savior and Lord. He has gone all the way to the cross in order to graft every one of us into the vine that we might be sustained and saved. But if we refuse him, and if we fail to receive him and his love and his life, we stand condemned as a result of our own choices. When we meet Jesus, it will be a time of grace and judgment. And what we have been and done will determine which one it is. Jesus says clearly, apart from him, we can do nothing. How long have you been trying to do something without Jesus? You might do a lot of things that the world says are good, but in the end, what do they really matter? It's really amounts to a little more than a hill of beans, doesn't it? Only what you do abiding in Jesus is eternal. Apart from him, you accomplish nothing that's lasting, that has meaning. Frederick Speakman has suggested that the man who has nothing before which to bow will one day be flattened by the sheer weight of himself. <laughs> if you don't bow before God, one day you'll be flattened by the sheer weight of yourself, your own pride, your own actions, your own thoughts. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be found abiding in Christ and not apart from the life-giving life-sustaining vine that he offers us the freedom to be grafted into. Abide, apart. Thirdly, what about prayer? Ask. Verse 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. What does that mean? Ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. Does that mean you can ask the moon to turn purple or for the sky to turn green and it will have to happen? Let me put it to you like this. If you are abiding in Jesus and his words are abiding in you, are those things really something that you might ask for? <laughs> Hopefully not, but I tell you something that will happen. If you abide in Christ, all the rewards of dwelling in Him are ours. Answered prayer? Yes. Guidance for daily living? Yes. Certainty in the midst of confusion? Yes. Strength to be more than conquerors through Him who loved us? Yes. All those things are available because the condition is, if you abide in Him and His words abide in you, then you're asking according to His will and He is happy to give you whatever you ask. It's all about relationship. And when you're in relationship with God, you're not going to ask crazy things that are contrary to His will. But you're going to ask for things that are in concert with His will, that He has in store, ready to give you, just waiting for you to ask. Let me give you an example from Henry Blackaby. Blackaby tells a story <laughs> about buying for his son a blue Schwinn bicycle for Christmas. He got it several months in advance, so he hid it in the garage. And then over the next several months, Henry began to work on his son. 
to convince him that what he wanted for Christmas was a blue Schwinn bicycle. Guess what? One day, Richard came in and pronounced to his parents that what he really wanted for Christmas was a blue Schwinn bicycle. The bike was in the garage. Henry just had to convince his son to ask for it. And when he asked for it, he got it. And it's the same way when we pray. The Holy Spirit knows what God has for us in the garage. It's there and it's the task of the Holy Spirit as we abide in Jesus and His Word abides in us to bring us to the point where we want God's will and we ask for it. What happens to us when we ask for things that God already has for us to give to us? We will receive it. Why? Because we have asked abiding in Jesus and His words are abiding in us. And when God answers our prayers like that, He gets the glory and our faith is encouraged. God has a storehouse in the garage waiting for us to ask. But only as we spend time abiding in Jesus and His Word abiding in us do we know how to ask in accordance with His will for our lives. One day a family was cleaning out their attic and they found a bunch of old books and scrapbooks that were up there stacked up collecting dust. One book apparently had not been opened for some time. When they opened it up, on the front flyleaf fly leaf was a picture of the author. And then directly across from the picture of the author was a picture of Jesus. And over time, those two pictures, having been pressed together in the heat of the attic, had become fused together. And the ink intermingled. So when they opened it up, <laughs> I guess you could say those two pictures abided together. And the face of Jesus had become imprinted over the picture of the author. That's what happens when we abide in Him. The face of Jesus is superimposed over our own. And when people look at us, they see the image of Christ because we have been spending time abiding in Him and His Word abiding in us. Where are you in your stage of Christian development? Are you at the very beginning? Come unto me. Are you in the process of discipleship? Follow me. Or are you in constant fellowship with Him so that His face is becoming imprinted over yours and you are obedient and Jesus asks you to abide in me. Wherever you are, come unto me, follow me, abide in me. Today is the day to take the next step in that process of faith. Take that next step today. If you need to come unto Him professing your faith in Jesus Christ, you take that step. If you need to follow me in discipleship, rededicating your life, joining this church, deciding that from this point on you're going to spend time with Him, then you take that step of following Jesus in discipleship today. If you are ready to abide in Him and you trust Him and you love Him and you want to be obedient 
and you want him to abide in you and you in his word. You take that next step of commitment and find the joy that comes from just resting in him and dwelling in him and finding the grace that comes from that relationship. He offers himself to you today. As much of him as you want is available. Please come. Shall we pray? Father, as we gather here on this Palm Sunday, the crowd's shouts of Alleluia and blessed is he who come in the name of the Lord were so shallow because just a few days later that same crowd was shouting crucify him. We want to usher you into our hearts and abide with you and we don't want it to last only a few days. We want it to last forever. We want to prepare now for eternity. So Father, come into our hearts and abide in us and guide us to abide in your word. And in so doing, find that that red hot fire that comes from being in a close relationship with you that can then go out and do something eternal, pleasing in your sight. Apart from you, we can do nothing and we accomplish nothing. But having when we abide in you, we can do all things. Father, teach us how to pray and ask in accordance with your will. Open us up to a new relationship with the one true vine, Jesus Christ, our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing an invitational hymn this morning, number 275, I Surrender All. Billy and Vicki Driggers joined our church upon transfer of letter this morning. In the early service, Alexandria Heard came upon profession of faith. The doors are still open. If you have a decision to make, you make it today. We'll stand and sing, I Surrender All, 275. I'll be at the front. Please come as we stand.